The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years, and I'm the baby boomer. I'm Jason Kander, freshman at UT Austin. I'm Generation Z. That's it? Yeah. And, and you're heading <laughs> nice, back to school. Nice and quick. Yep. Heading back to school in a couple of days. I, I, unfortunately, not very happy because the Bears did not... That was just embarrassing. Make you want to stay any longer. No, yep, not at all. Hey, thank you to everyone who has downloaded the Sportscaster and Her Son from Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you listen. Please continue to download, spread the word to your family and friends. Jason, we have surpassed 15,000 plays in the first year and a half of the show, but we need all of our listeners' help to get us over that 20,000 mark and make us you know, important to people who are searching for Chicago Sports Talk. Download, subscribe, rate us on whatever platform you listen. Thanks, guys. So in this episode... The Chicago Bears, they limp out of the season after their second playoff appearance in two years, just the seventh playoff season since Mike Ditka was fired after the 92 season. Yikes, it ends with back-to-back 500 seasons. A little bit delusional, wasn't it, Jason? It, it started off with a great little streak, then it went into a horrible streak and then they kind of righted the ship against some really bad teams, limped into the playoffs, and limped out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. Just pretty much your typical bear season. Uh, they surprise early on, and then they fall off, and then they get back on right when you're about to lose all hope for the season. Then they sneak in the playoffs, or they barely miss the playoffs. But you know they really don't have a shot to win in the playoffs. So by November, all the wind is out of your sails as a fan, and you're kind of waiting for the next year. So, yeah, this was a very disappointing season. Not that there are too many expectations going in, but the expectations that were created with the 5-1 and one start were just so utterly despicable considering what the Bears ended up doing this year. It was just, I, I'm going to use the term, it was just disappointing. It was frustrating. The playoff game was unbelievable. The team looked so undisciplined. The offense was was anemic. Obviously, no Darnell Mooney made a little bit of a difference, but certainly not a 15-point difference. It was just it was your typical bear season. And it's really frustrating to see no change after the same thing happens over and over and over again. That's the definition of an, uh, the, the definition, the very definition of insanity is, <laughs> yeah. ex, is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And bears have practically gotten the same exact results. So I don't understand why ownership feels a need to continue to repeat this trend. Next season is just going to be the same old story. 
So back-to-back 500 seasons. In 2018, they went 12-4, and division championship. Ryan Pace gets executive of the year after trading for Khalil Mack before the season. Coach of the year honors go to Matt Nagy in his rookie year with the Bears. And then Matt Nagy gave up play-calling duties this year, benched the quarterback that was Ryan Pace's big move up in the 2017 draft, um, moving up to pick him ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And it just was just a messy up-and-down season. And like you said, it, it, it ended with not a lot of answers but we got those answers when the press conference, end of the year press conference was held and George McCaskey, the Bears owner, decided that Ryan Pace, the general manager and head coach, Matt Nagy, would return. Chuck Pagano, the defensive coordinator, is retiring. Ted Phillips remains as the CEO of the team. And so they go forward. Not a lot was decided after that. Your impressions when you heard that? frustrated but not surprised. I kind of had a feeling that at least Nagy would return. Pace returning was was fairly surprising to me and the organizational direction it's just it's just absolutely abysmal. The defense gets way too much focus and then this year the offense was so subpar to where the defense was pressured even more to control the game which you should really never task your defense with controlling the tempo of a game. Um and the players are getting older, had some injuries on both sides, had regressions on both sides with Trevathan and Eddie Jackson and Robert Quinn, and then the injuries all across the offensive line and Tariq Cohen and such. And that this was bound to happen eventually, but the frustrating thing is it's not like the Bears are coming off this stretch where they've made the playoffs and been a force to be reckoned with. They had the one season two years ago when they made it to the playoffs and got upset by the Eagles, and then the next season they were incredibly disappointing, and this year they were even more disappointing. So I don't really know what the team expects to happen. It, I don't think... Like, you're not going to get 2014 Robert Quinn next year. You're not going to get 2017, 2018 Danny Trevathan. I, what, 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 Nick, what type of Nick Foles do you want? Nick Foles has never really been a capable regular season quarterback. It, it's the entire organizational direction is just so jumbled up and frustrating to the point where I can't really envision this team putting together a roster that'll be set by next season's opening day that can give Bears fans any reason for optimism or hope that there is a real direction. You know what group think is, right? When you fall into, like, everyone starts saying the same thing. And yeah. so I kind of feel like I fell into group think when it came to the Bears after they lost and, and after the press conference and, you know, it was the meathead mentality. And I, I, I definitely fell into that. And, you know, that's part of the fan that takes over. So I think we need someone, we need to call someone, Jason, who has been there, done that, been a part of it, understands it, and, and, and help us understand what they might be thinking uh, over at, at Hallis Hall. All right, Jason, former Bears head coach, Fox Sports NFL kickoff analyst and Chicago Bears analyst on NBC Sports Chicago and 670 The Score. Dave Wanstead is joining us now. Dave, thank you for joining us. I got to wrap my head around what is going on at Hallis Hall. Um, You spent six years there. Can you can you. Give me a little bit of insight into your reactions at this week's press conference in which they announced that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy will return. Well, I've said this 
I wish when I was doing some of my tough press with the Bears that I could have been uh, in my office reading it and not uh, within arm's reach of the media. That was kind of <laughs> interesting, doing a doing a Zoom press conference of this magnitude. But I do get it, and uh, that was different. My first thought was, and, and people need to understand this, that nothing of this magnitude happens at the Bears without Virginia McCaskey's blessing. They say, oh, God, Virginia McCaskey, she's almost 100 years old. Hey, trust me on this now. She is into every major decision that goes on at the Bears. And, yes, George McCaskey and Ted or whoever can bring things to her, and they can convince her, but for it to happen, she has to say yay or nay. That's just how it happened. So she was uh, – she was in agreement with what's going on right now. And, it, you know, at the end of the day, the McCaskies also, they they are not one of these knee-jerk organizations. I mean, they, they in, in character and personalities, whether it's right or wrong, that plays into the decision that the Bears make. So you have to combine those things and say, okay, they obviously really like the the character of Nagy, they like the character of of Ryan Pace. They like how they work together. That McCaskies do not like conflict, so they're obviously on the same page. And then you know, I I would be curious because I don't know the things I just said are facts. The things I don't know are what are they saying moving forward. Because that would be my first question. Okay, now, how are we going to get into the playoffs and make a run next year? How are we going to solve these problems? And uh, that would be interesting And uh, that both of them, you know, are on the same page. And, uh, and they must have been awful convincing. See, I, and let me just make a comment about Ted Phillips. Yeah. Ted and I go way back. Ted's not – Ted is going to just throw stuff out there, but he's not. And he that never makes himself out to be a decision maker in, in situations like this. He's going to throw out stuff to George and Virginia for them to think about. But this is totally a McCaskey decision. Ted Phillips is not involved in this decision except giving his opinion. So when I tell people that um, when they talk about the character and how much, and George McCaskey talked a lot about how much he really thinks highly of the, the moral character of Matt uh, Nagy and Ryan Pace. That is a very, very big deal to their family and to the, the character of the McCaskey family. So they put a lot of stock in that, don't they? They, they absolutely do. There's no question about that. And uh, that's important to them. And if you're going to get the benefit of the doubt and you're not the type of person that, that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are, then, then they would have made a change. But that, uh, that, that carried some weight in this decision when, it was, when there was a decision to be made. And, you know, unfortunately, and he's a good friend of mine, I got him into coaching, Chuck Pagano. You know, I, talked, I was keeping in touch with Chuck once a week. And, you know, obviously when you're gone now, all of a sudden he'll take some undue criticism and, and it looks like they're going to throw Mitch under the bus, which 
I have been a Mitch fan from the opening week. Uh, but my point is, you got to do what Mitch can do best. You drafted him. This is what he does best. Do it and give the kid a chance to be successful. That was obvious that, that they did not want that to happen when they signed Foles, because Foles is not the same player physically, mentally, anything that Mitch is. So their minds, it looks like that they want to do the offense that Matt Nagy believes in, which is not the run the game, run the ball, play action pass, all the stuff that Mitch can do. So, you know, and Ryan Pace had to go along with it, it must sounds like. I have a theory that the reason why Ryan Pace especially was brought back is because I think that the front office has a very specific plan for quarterback next year that doesn't involve Mitch Trubisky. So this leads into my question. We've had two former Bears players on the podcast during the season. We had Olin Kurtz and we had Kyle Orton. And the vibe that I got from both of those guys is that there's sort of an organizational mentality within the Bears that the defense will always be valued more than the offense. So do you think that the way that the Bears can be fixed because it's been years on top of years on top of years of the offense weighing down the defense while the defense underperformed a little bit this year the offense did them no favors so do you think that the right direction for the Bears would be to maybe put all their eggs in one basket and trade for Deshaun Watson or completely change their mentality at the quarterback position well if I kept them all I would keep Mitch because I when you look at Mitch's numbers and that's what I'm trying to figure out. What are you evaluating Mitch on? If you look at his numbers this year from the standpoint of touchdowns to interceptions and completion percentage, and, you know, he, he played winning football. I mean, you know, is he going to beat Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely not. But is he going to get you to the playoffs? And now you got to get into the playoffs. Now you run the football, you play defense, and you got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. That's my personal opinion. Okay. But now, Here's the issue you're into. You know, if you're, let's say you're going to make the trade for a veteran quarterback because, and this has to play into it. I mean, George McCaskey is smart enough to know that the clock is running on that defense. They have, in my opinion, another year or two, and then it's going to be Mack is going to be over the hump. You're going to have Quinn. You're going to have Trevathan. All of a sudden, they're, they're an old group, and their contracts are up. And now you're restarting from scratch right there. So, you know, I, I guess what I'm making the point is that, you know, if they want to get the most out of this defense, they need to do it right now, ASAP. And so I think that probably it should have played into this decision. But now if you are, let's throw out a veteran quarterback. If you're Matt Ryan at Atlanta or Matthew Stafford at Detroit, uh, are you going to say, are you going to pick the Bears over the Patriots? No. You know, because right now, no. I mean, and, and right now, the same thing with assistant coaches. I mean, whoever this defensive coordinator coming in, if they bring somebody in, they're going to have to give them a three-year contract because it, right now it's, it's throughout the league. It's the handwriting's on the wall. They have to win this year. Everybody's fired. That's, that's a tough spot, a very, very tough spot. For Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to be into because it's, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of jobs open where guys are starting from scratch and they're not on the last year of their deal. So I think you got to look at, at the coaching end of it and you got to look at a veteran player 
that might have two years left, Matthew Stafford, who's going to give you the best chance to get a ring? And that's where they're going to go. Let me just say this about the defensive coordinator position, Dave. I This is what I think. I think either they are going to promote from within, and that would protect them with that one – year window for Nagy and Pace, yep, yep. or they're going to bring in a guy that they foresee as a possible future head coach and make him the defensive coordinator and him be somebody, which would not be very comfortable position for Matt Nagy to be in knowing that that's a possibility. So that that's just my two cents. Anyways. I agree. I agree with your first theory. Yeah. I mean, now both of them, both of them will be nice, but I don't see the second thing. It doesn't sound realistic from a coach's standpoint. Uh, if I'm the head coach, Matt Nagy, bringing someone in that capacity. But I, but I would be willing to bet. I think the odds are that they promote within and they try to just to move forward. I mean, that would keep the continuity with the players yep. and, and so forth. And that's the big thing. I mean, Matt Nagy, I mean, you know, he treats these players awful good. I mean, there, there were some tough losses. And I'm sitting there listening to his press conference, and he talked about how the players stood up and talked in the locker room. And, the players did this and this player said this and you know so he's uh, I mean he gives these players an awful lot of credit and he's awful nice to these guys I will tell you that and you know I, I don't know how much fear I, I and I hate it because I'm a I love I really like Matt Nagy as a person I really respect him what he did this year of saying, I don't think I could have done it. Of you know what, I'm not going to call defenses anymore right. because it's not wor- it's not working. But yet he he said, if it's best for this team, I'm going to let somebody else call the plays. Well, Matt, you know, if I'm George McCaskey, I'm saying that's why I hired you mm-hmm. to call plays. Mm-hmm. And now you're admitting you're admitting that it can't happen. So, uh, you know, I I just feel bad for the guy. I truly do. But um, uh, you know, he's got a I would cut, and, and I'm not I'm not going to jump now, but it all ties in with the perception. I would have cu- I would have cut Miller on Monday, and uh, and who was the other Wims. receiver? Uh, Javon Wims. Wims yeah. I mean, I, 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 because because they both admitted, and I think Matt admitted that on Wednesday they showed the tape of Wims slugging that guy last game. They show tape of this guy doing all his John or whatever he does, and they and Matt Nagy specifically said this cannot happen. This will get us beat. And then you have a player go out and does that. I don't know how the guy's still on the roster today. I mean, I, you gotta these players got to know that the that, that there's a line a line in the sand somewhere, and it it, it has to be drawn right now. Back to our conversation with former Bears head coach and Fox Sports analyst Dave Wanstead in just a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. 
When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now, back to Dave Wanstead. You mentioned how the defense next year's the year where it has to happen with all the players aging. So put yourself in Brian Pace's shoes. What would your focus be on this offseason? Would it be the offensive line or would it be refining the defense? Because there are so many players on the defensive end that brutally underperformed this past season. Eddie Jackson, Danny Trevathan, Robert Quinn. So where should the focus be? Should it be on the offensive line, which would presumably put a focus on the quarterback position or should the bears just go traditional like they have for the past however many decades and continue to put all their eggs in one basket not to repeat the same phrase but for the defense well no i i think we're they're going to be picking around 20th probably i'm not sure what the pecking order is somewhere in that neighborhood so they're going to be able to get a heck of an offensive lineman a heck of a tackle or a heck of a receiver and you know i don't expect robinson to be back who knows about miller wims so they could use another receiver uh, on offense. And, and defensively, the one thing that was encouraging to me when Akeem Hicks was out and, and you know, and, and they were rotating some of those young defensive linemen, I think they got some really good, talented guys there. We know Eddie Jackson's talented. He, you know, so there's talent on defense. I'm not worried about the talent on defense. They can line up and play. I would put the focus on offense. Probably in the offensive line, probably at receiver would be the two areas that I would look to uh, to see if we can get a guy that we can draft and he can come in and be a starter day one. Dave, take me into the front office when the general manager brings in players that do not live up to expectations, whether it is Mitch Trubisky, uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, uh, she, uh, you know, these guys, the, uh, the, the tight ends, they're the, the 12 tight ends that they've had in the last, you know, two years. Um, when this happens, where does the co- collaboration begin? They use that word a lot. And I, and I'm guessing that there was a lack of it maybe prior to this. Is it, we failed to develop these players because Leonard Floyd goes and has a great year this year, the year he leaves. Um, or is it a matter of bringing in guys that we missed the mark on their talent? Like what, what are the conversations that they are having? Well, yes. I mean, obviously every personnel guy, and, and I think the way it should work and it's worked this way, every place I've been, we would never sign a guy. We would never get into, oh, he, we didn't develop him or, boy, I mean, this guy doesn't have enough talent to play. You know, I mean, that, that's what you would hear uh, coaches say in some situations where the, where the personnel people are saying, you just didn't develop him good enough. I don't, I don't think the Bears operate that way. I hope not. Uh, you know, every place I've been, it's, it's always been a decision. And the general manager would never want to sign a player that the coach didn't sign off on uh, because the, because then he would have no chance, no chance. So I got to believe that everybody that they signed, whether it was Robert Quinn, Jimmy Graham or whoever that, you know, that Matt Nagy signed off on these guys. I mean, uh, so I, I don't see that being a problem with the bears. I mean, if it was a, you know, I, I don't know. It's, and maybe I'm just going to their personalities, but I just think that, that both of these guys, you know, that they have agreed on all the decisions. I, 
That's just my gut feeling. And I've never sat in a room and see how they, they, they did it. But uh, just my experience would tell you that. It's, it doesn't seem to be the organization where, you know, it's Bill Pullian and I'm going to pick all the players and you the coach and you go ahead, coach them up. I don't see it being that situation. I really don't. So, by the way, you're good friends with Chuck Pagano. Was he forced out, or was this his decision all along? You know what? I haven't talked. I texted him Monday after the season and just gave him a little little encouraging pep talk there and, uh, and, and said to be in touch. And, and his response was that he was getting on a plane uh, in the very near future and heading to Tampa, and he would uh, we would connect sometime later this week. And I have not talked to him. So, I don't. I would say no. I, I don't think that they would. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, that defense, I mean, you know, when you look at it, when the, that spell where the offense was scoring 16 points a game, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got no chance. And, and I remember talking to Chuck during the season, and, you know, everybody was saying he should be blitzing more and be more aggressive. Well, well he's smart enough. He's been a head coach. All he's got to do is blitz once and get a touchdown thrown on him, and now you're going to lose the game. You know, so you got to do things that give the team the best chance to win. And Chuck Pagano got that. He really understood that because he's been a head coach before. And, and you brought up Ted Phillips, and you're close with Ted Phillips. You've known him for a long time. Take us into, you know, number one, what, what's the reputation of the Bears across the league when it comes to the front office? Uh, do they need a football mind instead of Ted Phillips? Do they need a football mind overseeing what Ryan Pace is doing? Uh, what, what's the reputation across the league, and what do you think about them needing a football mind? No, I can tell you, Ryan Pace got a very good reputation, in my opinion. I haven't heard any negative stuff about Ryan Pace doesn't know anything about players. Uh, the, the, the biggest criticism of Ryan Pace is people like Mitch Trubisky. A lot of people like Mitch Trubisky in the first round. That's, that's not debatable in my mind. The, the biggest criticism on Ryan Pace is that he was that sold on Mitch that he would you know sell the farm draft pick wise and jump ahead of these other guys to get Mitch Trubisky. That's the only criticism I hear. But as far as people saying, Oh, no one ever liked Mitch. That's, that's not the case. It never was the case. So I, I don't hear that. And back to Ted Phillips, you know, Ted is the president. When I was there, now Ted was doing contracts when I was there, but Ted, uh, you know, he's, he's in charge of, the stadium con, she's overseeing the stuff that goes on at the stadium. Any contract, marketing stuff, any of the money stuff that goes on, it all runs through Ted, and he's got so much stuff on his plate. Trust me, if he sees glaring things or there's outside noise about coaches or GMs, you know, he's going to bring it up to Michael and talk about it, but he's not going in there saying, we need to fire this coach or GM. He's you know, that's not his deal. It's just really not. Do you think that there's a, like a heightened sense of risk in keeping Nagy and Pace, especially Pace? This is going to be, what, year six for Ryan Pace now? Year seven, I think. How common is it for people in positions, decision-making positions, positions of power in an NFL front office to get this long of a leash when there really hasn't been too much success to show for it? Well, they have gone to the playoffs two out of three years. However they got there, you know, that's debatable. But um, so they're looking at that. And, and, you know, Matt Nagy's record, I mean, it's 
they like them. I mean, you, you just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, but the same things come to my mind. You know, he has gone to the playoffs. He has won some games. He has, he's got a good personality. They like him, you know, so all those things would, the way the Bears run the organization say, you know what, let's give this guy another year and, and see if he can make something happen. That's the bottom line. There's nothing really, there's no other way to, to look at this from the view that I'm from the chair that I'm sitting in. Dave, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. The last question that it, from, it sounds like you think that um, Ryan Pace is not going to make a, any desperation move, knowing that they basically have bought one year to implement the plan and to fix it. And they must have a plan in place that we don't know about that. They are very confident in to have Ted Phillips and George McCaskey be on board with it. Right. Oh yeah, the quarterback thing is the key, yep. and 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 they they have to have a plan on what they're going to do at quarterback, you know, and how they're going to use this quarterback. I mean, to me, you know, George McCaskey is smart enough and a football guy enough that he would not he would not take the next step unless both these guys collectively got together and said, "This is what we're going to do. We can do this, and this will work." That's it. Well, that's Dave Wanstead. You can you can watch him on Fox Sports NFL kickoff Sunday mornings during the season and also listen to him here in Chicago on 670 The Score. Dave, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Enjoy your off season. Okay, Penny, good talking to you, and uh, I'll do it again. Let me know. Okay. You got it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Will you feel any better after – Talking to Coach Wanstead? Not really. Not <laughs> not on. not really to be honest. I mean, it was good to see and to hear how confident he is because I think that Bears fans and Bears critics and Bears writers as a whole are not very confident or are very pessimistic. So it was kind of refreshing to hear somebody that is confident and optimistic about the Bears. But ultimately I just I just hope that there's some sort of change with the roster and with the coaching and with the way that the team is ran because it's been the same story for however long I've watched the Bears and that story has never ended with success. All right, you have some predictions for us to yes, start off I the new do. year. First and foremost, a Bears prediction. I am going to say that Mitchell Trubisky will not be the starting quarterback week one next year. I know, haha, big prediction. But I do think that they're going to draft a quarterback, whether they trade up or someone falls into their lap around the 20s. I think that we'll see a brand new rookie quarterback under center for the Bears next year, which is very, very exciting. All right. For... The NFL playoffs, I am going to predict, and this is coming before the second round, so if this team loses, I'm sorry, but I think that the Buffalo Bills will play the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. I really don't see the Packers losing up until the Super Bowl. I love the Bills matchup with the Ravens on Saturday. I think that's a team that they match up very well against, and you know we'll see. Buffalo-Green Bay Super Bowl will be very exciting, so I'm just going to call that right now. My third prediction is that, ooh, let me give this one a little bit of thought. Okay, so yesterday, James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to say that that won't be the only major trade with a superstar in the NBA this year. This year is weird in the NBA, and there seems to be somewhat of a power shift in the league, which is very exciting for the casual fan, but um, very 
intriguing for the hardcore fan like myself. So I'm going to say that this year we're going to see another major superstar get dealt, whether it be Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. They have just been absolutely horrible for his entire career. Um, or Ben Simmons in Philly. He has not been good this year, but again, one of the most potential fill one of the players in the NBA with the absolute highest ceiling and if he could develop a jump shot he will easily be a hall of famer in my opinion so I think that we see another big superstar get traded in the NBA obviously the James Harden trade was so shocking had everyone's jaws on the ground but I don't think that'll be the only time that happens this year all right I think on our next episode we're going to do a um, recap of your predictions and see how you did oh boy this past year I know all right my final thoughts transparency it really says a lot about an organization, a general manager, a team, when they are not afraid to be transparent. The Cubs under Theo Epstein were very open about their plans to fans, whether they liked it or not. They admitted when they were rebuilding and when they were winning exactly what the reason was for the winning and who needed to be better at what positions. When there wasn't any money, they said so. And they explained how they were going to get around that. They talked about their plans. So when a professional sports franchise in 2021 keeps using catchphrases in a press conference and instead of actually answering the questions, well, it's not just the media that gets frustrated. It's about the fans getting real answers. Is this a one-year turnaround? Great. I'll renew my tickets. Is this a three-year? Okay, let me decide. Instead, talking around answers makes everyone question exactly what's going on, and it adds to the negativity that surrounds the team. Why is it important to know a player's contract status? Well, because it affects signing free agents or the direction that a team might need to take against a salary cap. In the same sense, it's important to know when a front office or head coach's contract runs out. It tells you whether they might be in desperation mode or whether they've been tied to each other, coach and general manager, win together, lose together, get rewarded together, get paid together, or you pay the price together. So the Bears' refusal to answer questions open and honestly leaves a sense of distrust. And in a time when our country only wants sports to make us feel good take us away from the serious issues that are surrounding our society don't play with the fandom it's just not fair answer the question don't play games don't take fans to be fools it's amazing when you're upfront and honest how much people learn to trust you and like you yeah All right, our thanks again go to Adam Yaffe, a new year, but the same professional expertise he gives us in guiding the show. Thanks also to Dave Wanstead. Don't forget, you can watch him on Fox Sports NFL kickoff Sunday mornings during the season. Also, NBC Sports Chicago, and listen to him on 670 The Score. Great news. We are now a member of the Barroom Radio Network on Podbean, home to some of the best Chicago pro football podcasts found wherever you listen, as well as the Barroom Network on YouTube. You can find the podcast website at thesportscasterandherson.com, Facebook and Twitter, and Pinterest, too. Nice. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to download, subscribe, and rate our podcast on Apple, Google Podcasts, Podbean, really wherever you are listening right now. Rate us. Download us. Thank you to our 15,000 listens and counting. Stay safe, everyone. Goodbye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. 
and by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.